Welcome to the Black on Black Education Podcast. Today we are sitting with Mr. Frank Williams of the White Plains Youth Bureau. Here at the Black on Black Education Podcast, we love organizations that are out there building young minds and the White Plains Youth Bureau most certainly is doing that. They touch 2,000 kids a day with a variety of different services that uh, Frank is going to share, many of them, uh, with you. He'll share his background, um, and a lot of people can learn from somebody who has been such um, an outstanding community leader for such a long time. Uh, hope you enjoy the combo. So I am sitting here in White Plains, New York with Mr. Frank Williams. We are at the White Plains Youth Bureau. Um, it's been here for quite a while. I remember I used to come here, mm-hmm. train in martial arts uh, years ago with uh, with my Swan brothers. And so it's a special building and I appreciate his time today. Um, we're going to kick things off with Mr. Williams, just giving a you know quick background about himself um, and about the White Plains Youth Bureau. And then we'll, we'll move into some other topics after that. Well, uh, again, thank you, Jamal. I'm glad to have you here, and I'm glad to have this conversation about the work that we're doing in White Plains and and the work uh, here in New York State. Uh, Just in terms of my background, I'm a product I was raised in Canton, Mississippi. Okay. Right? I'm a product of Mississippi, and I grew up during the time of the Civil Rights period, and my mom was very active. My mom and dad, my mom worked with Fannie Lou Hamer. Okay. She worked with all of the giants back in the day in the 50s and 60s uh, in terms of civil rights. And as a result, uh, she was the first black woman elected to city government in my hometown. Mm. And, uh, and my dad was active too, and uh, he ran for office. And uh, during the late 50s and 60s, it was kind of a challenging time, as you know, in terms of history. Uh, black people uh, and people of color were facing significant uh, uh, challenges in terms of discrimination and voting rights and, uh, and just everything that went on in, that, in, in those very difficult times with respect to, to life and uh, economics and education. <clears throat> but, you know, thanks to my parents and my community, said, you know, heard the saying, it takes a community. It really does. I was able to go to college. I went to Tougaloo College in, in Mississippi. What and college was it? Tougaloo, T-O-U-G, Tougaloo, and Dr. King, Malcolm, and all of those leaders came, John Kennedy, they, Fannie Lou Hamer, they all, when they came to Mississippi, um, it's a private school, mm-hmm. they, they spent some time at Tougaloo College. Got it. And um, so I went to Tougaloo and, and graduated in 1974, came up here and have been up here since 1974. And uh, uh, Real quick, what made you make, want to make that uh, transition? So my fiance, fiance at that time, she got a, she was in a co-op program, an internship at General Foods, and they offered her a job. Got it. And I didn't have a job. Okay. <laughs> and of course, you know, back then, jobs for a black person mm. were, I mean, very few and far between. You, either you're going to be a teacher or, you know, you're going to work in a factory or something. Right. I didn't want to work in a factory, so we ventured out and we came up in 1974 and I've been here ever since. Okay, okay. Um, and so, yeah, it's White Plains. I always feel like this, Westchester in general, White Plains Greenberg is a you know pretty special place. I'm happy I grew up here. Um, just for a little bit of background, I, I used to go to Mr. Williams' house. Um, his daughter, Tamika Williams, is a, is a good friend, and, and she was a tutor back in high school. So um, we seem to have something that allows for uh, all of my friends are still friends from that period of time and you know as I travel I meet people all over the place very few people you know have that uh, connection is it is there anything you can point to that you think about um, our community that's kind of fostered that well I I think the issue is community when I think of the Greenberg and also White Plains but um, 
I still live in Greenberg, and uh, there's a spirit of community cooperation, relationships, and uh, I think you know the, the fact that um, the parents, grandparents, neighbors, you know, uh, knew each other. Um, they had a common experience coming out of the '60s and '70s, mm-hmm. and uh, so that kinship and fellowship extended to family and extended to our young, our kids. And uh, and as a result, I, I still see so many uh, young people. Um, and even working with parents, you know, I've been here 33 years, and people are saying, don't retire. have been at the Bureau 33 years. Yeah, I've been at the well. Youth Bureau 33 years. I've been in New York for 45 years, and people are saying, don't retire, don't retire, don't retire. <laughs> I want you to work with my grandchildren, right? right? So right. it's a lot of pressure, you know, oh, yeah. don't retire. You know, I'll be 67 this year, oh, so, but I like what I do. It's a calling, yeah. uh, it, 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 it gives me a sense of purpose and, and a sense of fulfillment, just, you know, helping people who are challenged and struggling, trying to find their own identity, trying to find their way in life, and to be able to give back to them as it has been given to me. I love it. So 33 years, we give, give us a, you know, a, a quick 33 seconds on those 33 years. How did you, like, what, what, what was the role starting, and, and then when okay. did you become the, the... So the youth year is far different than it was when I first started. Okay. So when I first started, we were a small agency. Um, we didn't have the footprint that we have now. Uh, I had worked previously in New York City at a settlement agency mm-hmm. and um, uh, one of the largest settlement agencies, Grand Street Settlement on the Lower East Side. And um, they they were, back then, they were doing beacon schools. So at the end of the day, the schools in New York City became community centers. And so when I first came in, I, I, I spoke with Dr. Jerry Marcus, who was the superintendent at that time. And I said, Dr. Marcus, we want to replicate what was happening in New York City and although we were doing after-school programs, we want to be able to uh, enjoy the benefit of using schools for after-school programs, recreational programs, enrichment programs. Because, one, schools are safe places. They're protected. Everybody knows the, the schools. Uh, they have gyms and facilities and auditoriums that could be used for a variety of programs. And he said yes. So we, we expanded our, uh, our programs and services. And... Uh, I think back then we may have had uh, perhaps uh, a handful of programs in the Youth Bureau, and as a result, we have 60-some programs right now. Mm. We even have an aviation academy. We have a flight simulator. We're teaching kids to fly airplanes. Wow. You can fly everything from a Piper Cessna to uh, a fighter jet. Um, we, uh, we, have a, we have a youth court program. We have girls' justice initiative programs. Um, we, we just recently started a program last year called Grandpa's United. <laughs> and that's a that's a program. Many many men are and grandfathers are retiring, and not everybody plays golf. Uh, so what happens with these men, grandfathers who have talents and skills, whether it's business or government or health, uh, if they don't have a have a social or or, or, or connection with uh, with with others, you know what they do? They go home, they watch TV, they language. So what we're trying to do is to tap into these grandfathers to have them to give back to our community. Right. And so what we've been doing, we do, uh, Grandpa Goes to School, uh, we do Coffee with Grandpas, we do, we just had a couple of programs, Grandpa Who Cook, uh, we had uh, several cooking programs where Grandfather, these men are getting their, their, their chef in, uh, in the cooking for uh, the kids in the community. Uh, we've been doing career workshops and sports nights and uh, we're going to be doing a talent show in the fall and we down the road, I'm hoping to do a grandpa game, uh, kind of like an Olympic, small Olympic thing, mm. where these grandfathers get together and they do some kind of recreational. But it's all intergenerational, right? And because 
were working over at Church Street School with a group of young boys, fourth and fifth grade. Um, and not one of these boys have a father. You said not one. Not one. How many, out of how many kids? And not one have a grandfather. Mm. So if you don't have a father, right, you don't have a grandfather. So you don't, there's a piece of you that's missing, right? Absolutely. So what we're trying to do is stand in the gap for these young men, trying to teach them, a, give them a sense of purpose, a sense of connection with a male figure, and also to, you know, teach them some responsibility as, as a boy and that they, they have uh, a responsibility to grow up healthy and safe, but also to raise their self-worth as right. well. Right. So you, you've, uh, you've uh, actually said, you know, like <laughs> a mouthful there, and, and it relates so closely to, you know, kind of the vision we have for um, what the future of, of education and, and learning, you know, should be like. Uh, we, we, we look at things as if, if you can get people to love learning, you can change so many outcomes within the community. But you got to get kids to love themselves, right? Because mm. you don't have a sense of hope, a mm. sense of purpose. If you've been beaten as a young boy and your mother tell you you're nothing, you're going to mm. be just like your dad. Right. He wasn't nothing, you know. Right. I mean, so that becomes internalized, right? Right. I am. Um, for the last 11 years, I've been involved in a prison reentry program. Right? Okay. I've gone into uh, the Halla for over 11 years, and, 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 and the system is just largely black and brown young men, and a lot of them are there because of drugs, right? Mm-hmm. But, <clears throat> but these behaviors, these risk behaviors, started when they were young, right? right. Not having a, the, the parenting, the role model, the father figure at home and uh, not feeling good about yourself and not doing well in school. And what happens is somebody come along and tell you that, uh, why don't you try this or why don't you do that? And before you know it, you know, you made an unhealthy decision of a poor choice and then you get caught up in this web of um, this juvenile justice or criminal justice system. And what we do, we go in and we try to, we connect with these young people, young men, and we offer alternatives so that when they do come out of the system, uh, there are people in the community that who can help them uh, get back on their feet. So this is all under the White Plains Youth Bureau. City of White Plains. I'm, 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 I'm a part of the City of White Plains uh, prison reentry team. Got it. Is that Frank Williams or is that the the White Plains Youth Bureau? See, but I represent the White Plains Youth. Got it. Got but it. I do it because it's you know it's like calling. You know I want you know the thing is is. Um, you know, you, you, you want people to do better, to live better, to have opportunity. Because mm-hmm. we all make mistakes, right? Absolutely. And just because you made a mistake doesn't mean that you have to be defined by that. And, and I, you know, I share this with people all the time, and we won't go into the details of it, but I've made mistakes that could have put me in 10 years of jail or something without even thinking, you know, at, at the time that I was just... I, I, it, it amazes me when I go back, you know, and so I just didn't get caught. Other people got caught, um, and whole life changed. Like, well, how do I then look down, you know, at, at those people as if, you know, as if I hadn't of, of, of gone through things? And I think that uh, a lot of people who are, are walking around nowadays, they forget the things that they, the, the knuckleheads they were in their teens. Um, well, and a lot, of, I, mean, I mean, nobody's perfect. We mm-hmm. all make mistakes. We all make bad decisions sometimes. Right. It just wasn't that your time, right? Right. Right. And so that's why we're here to be able to help people to um, um, 
recognize that they still have talent and worth and can go on and live a productive life. Right. So you, you, uh, City of White Plains, or is, 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 is the Youth Builders Association with the City of White Plains the same as the Town of Greenberg Community it is. Center? Okay, so it's yeah, the same. So I report directly to the mayor. Got it. And we're a department of the City of White Plains. Got it. Um, so we, we yeah, I spoke to, uh, you know, well, yeah, I'm sure your good friend, uh, Andre Early. Yeah, no. um, and, you know, we, he, we talked a little bit about, you know, like resources. And mm-hmm. so, you know, White Plains is probably a little bit more resource rich than, than Greenberg, I imagine. Right, because it's a, it, it has more, uh, uh, you know, you think of the White Plains Hospital located right. in White Plains. Right. So, uh, and it's, it's a, you know, the White Plains is a city of about 60,000 people. It seems bigger, but it's mm-hmm. really not. Right. But there are a ton of community agencies and mm-hmm. not-for-profit agencies located here in White Plains proper. Got it. Greenberg tends to be spread out with Terrytown, Elmsford, you know, the, the village of Green, Greenberg and all of that. So right. um, when people look at White Plains, it's, it's, it, they look at it as a city right. as opposed to a town. So the funding mechanism is, is, is taxes. Is, 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 or, yes, or, and then or we, do, is is we, we get the, our funds come directly from taxpayers, although we as an agency, we write grants and we get state and federal funding as well and donations from private concerns also. Got it. And um, I, and I'm thinking, you know, about, I, I, I like to frame things under the, the auspices of 2020 to 2030. And, you know, what, what is that going to look like? What's education going to look like in 2030? And I think personally, if it looks the way that it looks today, then we will have, I, I, I feel like we'll be like lost as a society. Because well, I we, think the issues, because I work with the business, uh, Wichester Business Council, and I'm on the Wichester Business Council Foundation Board. Okay. We have identified where the group jobs are going to be, what the trends are. Got it. So we know that healthcare uh, is going to be, it's, going, it's a large industry mm-hmm. and healthcare, and working in health is going to be uh, a, 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 a growing industry. Uh, and then there's uh, STEM, mm-hmm. right? Science, technology, engineering, and math is, is, is a growing area. People just can't find enough engineers. Right. And then there is hotel and hospitality, uh, technology, and financial literacy. And so what we have done here in this agency, as I mentioned, we have an aviation academy. We're trying to teach kids that they can fly an airplane. Mm. But they can also be an air traffic controller right. or, or an engineer. Right. But you've you got to have basic skills to pursue that, that kind of career. Well, I love what you guys are doing in, in that. Um, I, I like to say to people um, that you know, kids typically don't want to learn calculus per se, wow. but what they, what they want to learn is how to get to Mars or right. how to fly a plane. And then the, the, the teaching of how to fly a plane, you, you, you reverse engineer it and you teach the various different things that we, that, that they, that we're teaching them anyway, but you do it with something aspirational and, and that they can have a vision. So we um, have this summer, we, this is our second summer. Uh, we, we just, we, today's the last day of our summer programs. We've just had a wonderful math camp. We had 60 students in our math camp. Mm-hmm. Uh, we had 20, no, we had 30 students in our STEM, STEM camp. Uh, and both of, of those camps were for middle school age kids. So, uh, what's, the, what's the total count of kids that, that get served well, here? We serve 2,000 kids a day here in Miami. Wow. Right. We have 60 programs. We open Monday through Saturday. Uh, we have something for everyone, from mentoring to um, uh, My Brother's Keeper uh, programs to um, uh, youth court to recreation, swimming, tennis, uh, dance, theater, art. 
Uh, bunch of enrichment opportunities. Yeah, we, so we, we have something for everyone. We, we, we have uh, parent education. We have martial arts and boxing. Uh, we have uh, uh, employment. Uh, camped and all of that. I just want to stop you at the parent education um, quickly because I'm, I'm always curious. Um, well, and this is the youth bureau. This is not like everybody, mm -hmm. but it's important for parents to you know know how to handle their youth. Uh, how 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 do you find people are taking advantage of um, of, of the? Well, you know, we <clears throat> we have changing demographics here in White Plains, so um, we have a large demographic of parents who are Hispanic. Mm -hmm. And of course, they're, they, uh, they, they, they seek everything, right? And uh, a lot of our programs uh, have a twist um, that focuses on the immigrant community. Mm -hmm. And we have speakers and, and consultants and educators coming out talking about uh, education mm -hmm. and how to maximize the education that's here in White Plains. And so, uh, and that's because the, the Hispanic population in White Plains is growing. And the black population is decreasing. Mm -hmm. White Plains has like a 37 percent Hispanic population okay. and a thirteen percent African American really? population. I didn't realize it was yeah, that. Uh, yeah, that's the dark. numbers are changing. Right. And so, given the changing in demographics, you can see that we have to go where the needs are, right. and where where, where the uh, especially where the risk factors are to right. change the risk factors into protective factors and providing support resources and opportunities for people. Does it, do, you, do, you, do you find that the, the need is the same for black people and Hispanic people? Are there, are there differences in, in, in what, um, in, in the challenges associated well, with the, young people, each communities? Young people need certain basic things. They need a sense of belonging, a sense of connection or attachment. They need places to go and, and, and feel protected. Um, they need opportunity and resources, and they need people to care about them. So all people need that, right? Right. And so for the Hispanic community, many of them have just recently arrived, so they have certain basic needs mm -hmm. in terms of language and literacy, right. development, um, and also, you know, certainly in the African-American community, we, we certainly have a need in terms of uh, financial literacy as well. Um, so many of our children, as you know, are growing up in homes without a father or father figure. So who's talking to kids about money and money management, right. about savings and investment? So as an agency, we're trying to put that out there that, uh, you know, we just had over 200 kids to work for us this summer. Right. You know, you get a check, you don't, what do you do? You don't spend it, right, on sneakers. Or you, go, you save it, right? right? And you take a portion out of it, but you begin to think about putting money aside. Um, and, and, and saving monies and, and letting it grow. And, uh, uh, and then you start developing that mindset for young people early on so that as they get older, they recognize the importance of uh, investments and savings. And right. We get people from J.P. Morgan and banks and other mm -hmm. places coming to speak with young people about savings and investment. Got it. Got it. Um, now, how, how tied in are, are you to White Plains High School and Middle School? And we have programs. As I mentioned, we have 2,000 kids a day. We run programs in every school. Got it. All of the elementary schools, the middle schools, and the high school. We have a great relationship with the high school. We are, In fact, the Youth Bureau here is in a school building. This is Eastview Middle School. Okay. So we're running programs in all of the schools. Right. And we couldn't serve that many young people. Without? without being in the school building because you think we're running after school programs, uh, out of school programs, 
uh, in school buildings. Right. Do you guys do anything that that to, from a, from a, a quantitative perspective to kind of show um, the differences between the students who take advantage of the resources that you provide and the students that might not? Well, uh, I can tell you, you know, because we have a My Brother's Keepers initiative here. Mm-hmm. You've heard about the mm-hmm. EDK program. So I work with all of our stakeholders. I work with police, I work with probation, I work with city courts. I get data. Right. I work with the school system. And then we have a My Brother's Keepers advisory committee, and the superintendent uh, is on it. He's the co-chair from the school district, and I'm the co-chair from the city side. Mm. White Plains this past year, with respect to this graduation cohort, had a 95% graduation rate. And so there's a focus on meeting young people where they are and where there are young people who have those academic educational challenges, we, we target young people. For example, this summer, for the last several summers, but this summer, we just ended yesterday, we do an SAT prep program at Berkeley College called Let's Get Ready for College. Mm-hmm. And what we do is we get these young people, we had close to 50 kids in the program, and they met on Tuesdays and Thursday evenings from 5.30 to 8.30, and it's all SAT prep, right? right? And so when they get ready to take the SAT exam in October, they have been, they would have had uh, some instruction on how to take the test, right? And and um, how to kind of decode the test and, right. and all, how to answer some of the questions on the test. That's great. Right. And so we have all of these academic after school and out of school programs with mentoring and tutoring and math and science. And so uh, that helps uh, young people, especially in our population, disadvantaged and, and low income young people get the needed resources uh, in terms of academic tutoring and mentoring to help them overcome some of the academic challenges they face. Got it. Um, yeah, I love it. it it's. It, what, I'll switch gears a little bit because uh, one of the things I think about a, a lot is is the idea of um, how, how do you grow and develop the whole community. So you guys and your charter is is focused specifically on on youth, and obviously you get the parents in there as well, and you're doing the the the, the, the Grand Act piece. Um, and I love the the intergenerational um, mm-hmm. nature of that. Um, what does that look like scaled? Um, it, it, well, I think I'm also president of the New York State Association of Youth Bureaus. Oh, wow. Right. And there are one point, we serve about 1.5 million New York State youth. There are 100 and, uh, a little over 100 youth bureaus, about 105. And we're the largest direct youth service bureau in New York State. White, so the, I, the, the, the White Plains. Got it. Right. So I, you know, you know, I look at the White Plains Youth Bureau versus other youth bureaus, and, you know, our work far exceeds others, but we have more resources. The city of White Plains has put more resources into this youth bureau than many other youth bureaus. We've been honored by President Obama. Mm. We've been honored by the uh, uh, U.S. Department of Education. So we, you see these awards around, and I have others in my office. Uh, we've got awards for the work that we do in terms of changing young people's lives. Right. The, uh, the Public Safety Commissioner, Commissioner Chung, says the White Plains Youth Bureau is the most important agency in the city of White Plains. Mm. Because what it does is that if we're touching 2,000 kids every day, it means that there are 2,000 kids not getting into trouble or making better right. decisions. Right. So it keeps police officers from engaging young people at the point of a problem. Right. Because they're in they're, they're in after-school programs or mentoring programs or rate programs. They're being served. So they don't have to run 
and, and, and engage young people who are doing something they should not be doing. Right. So you said there's 60,000 residents. Mm-hmm. Do we know how many how many uh, of the population? Because 2,000 is great, and so it sounds like you well, guys are doing amazing 000. work. There's but, over 7,000 kids in the White Plains school system. So, so And then we what, serve kids who are, or I shouldn't say young adults, who are 18, 19, 20, up to 24. So what does it look like to be able to serve the entire 7,000? Is, is that just the, the other 5,000 don't want to come? Well, is that the other anyway, five? we serve over 6,000 kids. Okay. Right. So everybody from, just from doesn't five, necessarily. From 5 to 24. Got it. So everybody is not going to necessarily need to no. be here every day, per no. se. And no. um, got it. But, no. but, but it, it I, sounds like. Oh. We have a smallish borg of stuff for people. So you can almost pick and choose what you want to do here. Mm-hmm. Right? Because we got something for almost everybody. Got it. Got it. It's, it's I guess where, where I'm uh, going to, and I'm, 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 I'm trying to look at what's out there working, which this, you know, clearly is. Uh, very, so, so much stuff for me is theory, um, you know, and, and, and what, what I pick up from communication with people. Well, so let's just think some of jobs uh-huh. in terms of this way. You know, if we've got 200 young people who are working, they're learning job skills. Right. They're developing a sense of uh, uh, work readiness. They're earning a paycheck so they don't have to go into the gallery or mall and steal or take something. Mm-hmm. Right. That they are, they're developing a sense of, of comp, uh, confidence and confidence, mm-hmm. right? And so when they get out of high school, they will already have a resume of work, right? right? And uh, one of these companies, corporations, will easily hire them because they've been trained in terms of soft skills and work readiness, right? right. The, the importance of coming to work on time, the, the importance of dress, the importance of communication and teamwork. Right. That's what we're teaching young people from 14 uh until the time that they get out in the work world. Yeah, it's it's um it sounds like you guys are are, are doing um you know the, the the you're doing for white plains what I would love to see done for everybody. Um and it, it's it's I'm I'm trying to ask the right questions to better understand what it's well, going to take for, well, for to scale the the, the well, I think my, I have an attitude. I, I just believe that the sooner you start with young people, that's why I like the My Brother's Keepers initiative. Mm-hmm. Um, preparing young, one of the principles is preparing young people to go to school ready to learn and reading on the third grade level. So we know that a child, you, you know, the science says that people build prisons based on what third, fourth grade reading level. Mm-hmm. So if a child can't read, they're going to have some difficulty uh, assimilating into the school system. And so much so that they're going to get frustrated and perhaps drop out. So our job is to help young people in terms of their development by reading, right? right? And in fact, White Plains has this one book that's coming out, one city read book that's coming out next month. Well, the whole city is going to be reading one book, Mm. right? So we're going to be uh, engaging it. And I just believe that reading is fundamental. We've done a program for the last several summers where over 400 young people read. It's called the Reader's Achievers Program. So we know that even when school is out, we need to encourage our kids to continue to read right. so that they develop um, their language skills, their reading skills, their comprehension, vocabulary. Because of a child who can communicate and read and write, they're going to go far in life. Yes. Yes, uh, that that is the, definitely the start. I I, uh, I mentioned to you before we start taping. I wasn't a particularly good student, um, but I did read. I picked mm-hmm. up books that I wanted to read. I picked up things that that made sense to me, and and um, it was enriching. And it, mm-hmm. it, 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 it 
you know, forced to the curiosity um, that I don't think I could have got. You know, I watched TV too, and, and that did, did some of the same. But um, one without the other, I don't I don't think would have led me um, to love learning in the in the in the way that I do um, love it now. And I, and I and I also appreciate the thought that you alluded to earlier, though the fact that finding ways to get them to love themselves first before mm-hmm. they can even start the process of thinking about you know loving loving learning. And you know, so many, so much of our community, the issue of racism and poverty and uh, the disparities that we as a community face. Mm-hmm. So how do you overcome that? Well, it, it really does that in spite of wh- where you are, right, you got to have a sense of who you are and love yourself, right? Because you can't love others until you love yourself. Right. And which means respecting yourself first and then respecting others so that you do no harm to yourself or you do no harm to others. Right. Well, do you bring those type of uh, conversations to um, in, into the youth bureau at all? Or? We have, listen, we have wonderful conversations, you know, uh, discussions. We do a program called uh, the, the uh, Keepers of the Dream program. Okay. And we started that program years ago, and we bring young people from throughout Westchester County to talk about uh, achieving Dr. King's dream when he said that black boys and white boys and we'll hold hands together. Mm, got it. Right, you know, that sort of thing. So how do we do that? Well, we have to have conversations about racism and prejudice and about class and economics. Right. And, and, and you know, just because you live in Scarsdale doesn't mean that you any have any more significance than the person who lives in White Plains. So we right. bring kids together from different communities to have conversation because these same young people they're going to be adults and be in a world, and they're Together. going to have to solve the world's problems. Yes. War. Right. Right. Hatred. Race. Right. You know all of this stuff. Yeah, it's it's. Um, I often, uh, you know, kind of kind of pontificate around the idea of kids in Scarsdale. Um, once a month or something to that effect, getting bussed down to some school in the middle of the city um, in, in, in Harlem or Brooklyn and vice versa, uh, where they, they start people start to meet and interact with one another before um, the kid in Scarsdale is a police officer later or, um, or a doctor that treats pe- people in a way that is different because they haven't seen or worked with or lived or humanized um, somebody that doesn't look like them. Well, I think that, you know, growing up in the 1950s, 60s, and coming from Mississippi, a, a large part of the issue we see today in terms of race relationships is that we don't know each other. We live in different communities. We still are very much segregated. Right. And so people hardly talk to each other. At 5 o'clock, people go to their homes. Right. And it's, you know, you, there's disparity, right? right? You may live in public housing. Somebody may live in a big house in Scarsdale. Right. And so there's the issue of, um, of fear, of the unknown um, that exists there. And so I think that if we have people talking with each other, right. sharing their own journey, their own story, one, they can learn from each other, but also we can build bridges with each other. Right. Yeah, it's it's uh, it's extremely important, um, and, you know, whether it be trips together to the museum or you know where where you now communicate about a particular thing. Um, you you all it takes sometimes is one thing that you hear from somebody um, or one experience that you hear, and and it creates an immediate connection where it's like okay wow this person is is like me um in a way that you didn't necessarily think that they were uh prior to hearing that one that that one thing well 
we all bleed the same blood, right? True story. Mm-hmm. True story. Um, so, what uh, what do you want you know kind of your legacy to be around this this place? And when you when I just, you listen, you know, I just want people to know that for thirty some odd years I was here and cared and tried to help somebody. Gotcha. Right. That's it. Um, for the time that I have here. I want to show up to work on time, and when I leave, I want to do a good day's job. Right. It sounds like that's exactly what's happening here. Yeah. Um, what um, What are some of the, 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 the challenges that um, you feel like are they're being worked on, but they're like, oh, man, this one is really, really, really tough? Well, I think the issue um, in our, our school, in our community, really has to do with... Um, um, the more of the well, two things: the external, the influences that 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 weigh on us in terms of the politics in D.C. Mm. and how they those things weigh on us, right? Uh, because there is an impact. You know, we have an administration in D.C. and um, you know, I'm from Mississippi, and one of the the, the, the chicken plants in my hometown, right? And, and it, it, it breaks your heart to see children come home and their parents are not there. Mm. So so we as a community, as a nation, we have to do better by being the light of the world. And that light starts in D.C., but we, are, as, as, uh, as people in White Plains, we also have to be a, a light, a force for good. So that kids who are coming out of White Plains, they're going out into the world. And I want every young person who, who comes out of White Plains or in New York State with these other youth bureaus to know that they got the very best investment of education and resources so they can go out and change the world and also, you know, uh, be a force for good. So we, we have that to deal with. But also it's just that this, this journey, this ex- experiment uh, of democracy is that it, it is an ongoing work, right? You, you can't get laid down, get too tired of it, right? Because um, we live in a time and a place where race is a significant factor, and we have to talk to each other, right. and we have to see each other as human beings, right. as opposed to the color of our skin, right? And we're not judged by the color of our skin, but as Dr. King said, by the content of our character. Right. Um, yeah, I, I, I guess I, you know, you, you, I try to bring perspective into anything that mm-hmm. I do, um, and you know, if if there's anything that's good. Um, about you know what, what was currently going on in, in Washington is the fact that people, um, some people are talking more. Some people are talking past each other, um, and I think that that um, you know we we gotta find a way um, to you know to to limit that. And really, I talk about the idea of, of discussion versus debate. Um, I, I love to. I mean, I love to debate too, but mm-hmm. it's far more important to discuss because if, okay. if 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 I'm debating somebody, you know, I'm 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 pretty good at it, and I and I have some rhetorical devices that I can use that will just oh confuse somebody or or you know where they may have a better point than I have, but they lose the debate because I'm you know I'm using tactics and strategies, but whereas a discussion leaves us in a place where. At the end of the day, I'm richer as a result of it. You're richer as a result of it, and and we we don't necessarily have to walk away having agreed with each other on. But if I can take a little bit that adds some color to to the way that I see the world, then I've been enriched. And well, and, and we, I, we do a program here called Toastmasters. I'm not sure if you're familiar I'm, with Toastmasters. I'm very familiar with Toastmasters. Yeah. I'm, so I'm, an, I'm, an, I'm an award-winning okay. Toastmaster. All right. All right. So <laughs> Actually, you, I did. I came here. I don't know if that was with you though. I I came here. 
here and I did a I forgot all about that. Some yeah. I, we there was a I came and spoke at one of the teen Toastmasters yeah. something. I don't yeah. remember so who we set have that Toastmasters up. here. They meet Thursday evenings here. Um, and then during the school year they meet twice a week. So the idea is helping people to speak publicly, mm-hmm. right? Because you know, what what time what oftentimes happens with us is that we have a conversation, then it becomes an argument, right? And then people start shutting down, right? right? And so we we want to win, right. right? As opposed to finding solutions, right? So with that, and, and I mean, I'm curious your your you know perspective on this, and, and I, I'll share mine and 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 kind of see where you come off because I'm always curious. Um, I told you I'm traveling for work right now, and mm-hmm. as a part of that travel, I, I I often like I'm out in different cities all over the country by myself, and so I'll eat at a bar at a restaurant, and I talk to you know lots and lots of people, oftentimes lots of Trump supporters, mm-hmm. um, and I've grown to you know respect them mm-hmm. as as individuals. Um, so in these conversations, I you know, we talk about food and family and all of these things. So um, there's this elevation of how we think about one another. Mm-hmm. And then I start talking about white privilege and I start talking about, you know, reparations. And I start talking about the the, the, the things that are some hot button issues. But by the time I've talked about it, even if these people vehemently disagree, they already like me. They already kind of know that this is a thoughtful individual. So they're not going to look at me like I'm crazy versus when you just start. You know, right from the gate on all of those things with people, um, when, when and, and this is more the question. You know, like identifying racism, like when, mm-hmm. we, when we when we when we pointed out so vehemently um, for so many things, does it lose its effectiveness? Is it is it are, are we? Uh, I'll I'll just I'll leave it at that. Does it does does the does the word somehow loses loses effectiveness? No, I think we have to be engaged in conversation. Okay. In <clears throat> In this fight, and because it is a fight, we have to be engaged in in in, in, in the global community in terms of humanity, mm-hmm. in terms of poverty, and I, I think that everybody brings their own perspective into this world. Their hurt, their uh, pain, their suffering, their their privilege, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, their fear, and so I think that in order to overcome all of that stuff, is that. We, we have to talk to each other. And I think that when you genuinely, authentically sit down and talk with some person who is who may be different mm-hmm. or come from a different experience, we, we, we talk from a point of view of humanity, right, and from heart to heart, and, and mm-hmm. not try and make judgments on people, right? right? Because, you know, what happens with a lot of folk is that you start blaming them for their ancestors or, right. you, know, you know, what, they, what people did. They're going to turn off and they're going to reject that and then they're going to get angry, mm-hmm. right? But the issue becomes, how do we win people, help people become empowered to work uh, together right. to help make a difference, right? right? Yep. And so it's, it's really a matter of how do you engage people in conversations where they become um, partners with us mm-hmm. around solving the issues of humanity. Right. And so we have to be careful about being judgmental right. or temperamental or, and also being emotional. Right. Because we as people of color, we can be very emotional <laughs> and very passionate right. about 
the stuff that we have been. Yeah, about. yeah, I, I think you're absolutely right. Well, a, a good friend of mine said um, that you know it's less important for us to be like-minded and more important for us to be like-hearted. And I was like, that was pretty, you know, pretty profound. Um, it be because if if you can be like-hearted, then you can talk about the stuff with that dispassionately. Yeah, you know, again, I keep saying, you no, know, I grew up in Mississippi. I went to an all-black school in 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 in, 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 in school in, in elementary, middle, high school. I went to a predominantly black college. I didn't have contact with white people until I came here. Mm-hmm. That was kind of awkward for me. Mm-hmm. And I had a lot of issues with that anger from my own journey and story. But I, when I came here, I felt that there are people who were not like the people I came from in Mississippi. Right. So I had to be careful in terms of judging people, right? Because right. I felt people who were not like me as being racist. And I'm saying, well, they're not like the people out of Mississippi. From. Right. And I, I think we as a, as a community, we have to be careful about painting everybody with a broad brush, right? right? How, did, how did you, how do you feel like that transition occurred for you? Where like it, it, it's, because that, that's a, it's a stark contrast. Mm-hmm. Um, what, what kind of work did you have to do to, to, to start to say, all right, I, that thing that he said, it sounds racist to me, but maybe I'm bringing something else with me. Maybe I'm looking at it, you know, differently. It's, it's I, how did you start to give people the benefit of the doubt? Well, because my, when my, my wife started working at General Foods, mm-hmm. and, you know, at General Foods, certainly back then, there were not a lot of black people mm-hmm. working. But they befriended her, right? They really cared for her. Right. And I felt that, wow, there are people who really invest their um, their heart and soul in people who don't look even, and I, I started to look at that, and, I, and then you go over and you have dinner, you, you go out with people, right. and you say, they are not like the people I right. had had. The, and I started to change, right? And that's what people have to be willing to change and to grow, right? And to be better. Yeah. As opposed to staying where you are. Right. Because some people want to be, the, some people like to be the victim. Right. Some people want to be pitied, right? Right. And that's not going to change anything. Right. Um, yeah, man. Uh, what what other organizations besides yourself are, are you seeing yourself you know kind of admiring in in the space that uh, you know you guys are clearly chugging along and you're gonna it looks like you're you're gonna continue to be a part of the of the healing of of, of you know of, of what needs to happen um, to, to to improve education. Um, what what uh, what other organizations or or people you know would do. You know, would you point to or highlight? Um, and then this is as much for me just to go back and kind of look because all, all we're trying, we're trying to figure out what works and have as many, you know, well, talks I, with people. I, I, yeah, I mentioned I'm president of the Association of New York State Youth Bureau. So mm-hmm. I want to take what we're doing and uh, help people to have a lot of what we're doing here. I right. talk a lot about what we're doing here in White Plains so right. that people see us from a platform of, of opportunity and resource. And from the fact that, you, you, you know, you have to think big, you have to dream big, and right. then you have to go at it. Uh, so I'm, I'm, I'm doing that. I'm involved with so many organizations and agencies from, of course, church and working with the business council, uh, working with my brother's keeper, I'm on Jacob Burns' board of directors. I'm on a ton of different boards working with White Plains Hospital. Um, I'm on the New York Medical College Admissions Committee. Um, Every night I'm out somewhere, right. sometimes two right. or three times a night, <laughs> have meetings at the same time. That's but I think man. that, you know, the issue is that um, um, if we want to change the paradigm, you can't sit on the sideline. 
Because, you know, what President Obama said, you have to be the change that you want to see. Right. Right? Because right. if, if you go home at 5 o'clock and sit on the couch and have your dinner and watch TV, right. you know, you, 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 you're not going to move the needle. Right. So you got to be engaged in the work. Right. The conversation is good, but the, you know, the, the, yeah. you got to be a little bit more. Like, I mean, I didn't have to go into the prison for 11 and a half years and see people and, 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 and tell them that they, they still have purpose and they have opportunity and that you're not defined by this. You come out and you can rebound and you can be the best of who you can be, right? Right. And so we have to look at people like that. We have to look at our communities like that. And we have to be what we want people to see. Right. I love it. Um, a few more questions for you, and, and, and this is one I, I missed from, from earlier. Um, in terms of the role of... of corporate America and this is you know whether it's it's big companies like I, I use Amazon as the example a lot um, to you know to some of the larger companies here in White Plains what if any responsibility do you feel like falls upon them to become a part of the overall um, solution for for um, educational equality um, and and certainly the the, the edu- like the equality of opportunity so that everybody is at least starting from a, a place that uh, that looks similar or, or, or certainly a hot, lot higher floor than where we have today? Well, I think th- th- everybody, every parent, you know, I, you, I, you mentioned, I mentioned to you about we got these 60-some grandfathers involved, we call them grandpas with us now. Every business has a responsibility of uplifting and empowering and service and working with the next generation to provide those opportunities for young people um, or cities and towns to make life better. Because it's not just about the job. Really, it's about making things better. So businesses and corporations have to invest, have to be a part of, have to come and speak and mentor. We have all of these speakers coming into this agency from all of these corporations, speaking with young people about uh, financial literacy or about a career path. And Because kids have to see this, right? Because you can't be what you can't see, right? If you've never seen the engineer, how can you be an engineer? So, and that's why people, that's why I say, yeah, if you come from this community, <clears throat> come back and yeah. teach others, right. and then others can teach others, right? And it continues, right? Because if you get all that you get and you leave, you've only weakened the community. you got to come back and invest in the community. Right. Yeah, that's that's a that's a huge thing. That's a that's a podcast all, all within itself. Um, the idea that that of, of people, um, you know, from a, from a. I mean, White Plains wouldn't be considered an underserved community, but the places that are where somebody says, okay, I, I want to go over here because it's the schools are better for mm-hmm. my kids. Right. Like, you can't blame those people for no, doing that. Um, at the same time, they're, they're, and I heard somebody say something to the, not gentrification, they, 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 it was a different play on gentrification. It was like a re-entrification mm-hmm. or something to that effect mm-hmm. where, you know, where, where if, if people who, who go about the business of getting it come back by let them buy the you know up all of the properties and so instead of there being a, a, a gentrification where it's the outside coming in um, let the community find ways to uh, you know to, to purchase their own assets and and, and, and resources and and so that the, the community that you're from grows as a result of it right and, and, and that's a that's an area 
that we have not done one by because people get, you know, their degree and and they become, you know, outstanding individuals and they want to move out. Right. But that's to the hurt of the, of the community. Yeah. So we have to encourage people that whatever you get, come back and help make things better. Right. And I like what LeBron James has done. Oh, I love it. Uh, and and uh, uh, other uh, people and celebrities and others have done uh, to invest in education and put money back in schools to, to teach young people that um, they get out and, they, and these kids can get out too with hard work and education. And I love that, you know, how everybody, well, almost everybody, you know, were, were, was able to, to highlight and him for that and celebrate him for that. Um, and hopefully what that does is it makes other people say, you know, hey, let me go do the same thing. Hey, Get let back. me go do the right. same thing. And, and, and it doesn't have to be money. It, just could, it could be your time. Yeah. Right? It could be mentoring. Precisely. Precisely. Well, I definitely look forward to, to doing some of that when I get back here in New York. It, uh, you know, it, it's, it's And, you know, we may, if you can, come back and we'll have you meet with some young people and sit around a table with this and, and, and just get their thoughts and opinions about where they are in life and what their hopes and dreams are. That's definitely, definitely, definitely something that, uh, that I would love and something okay. we, we'll, we'll make sure to make work. Um, you have any questions for me? No, I just want you to keep on keeping on. Be uh, safe and... and um, let your light shine. Well, we definitely appreciate you. We appreciate the work you're doing here in the community. Um, you know, I know these kids appreciate it, and um, yeah, they, you know, they thank you for retiring. Grandson, well, all of these are right. all of us working together. Well, thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate it. Yeah, you're right. Definitely appreciate. it.